Pints and Pies Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. Pints and Pies Podcast. Pints and Pies. Guess who just got back today? The wild-eyed boys that been away. Haven't changed, had much to say, but man, I still think them cats are crazy. Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm Should Held Acquaintance Be Forgot, Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by my fellow member of the Nation of Conversation, Day Julie One, Julian Burrell. Yes, not the real Danielle and Lindsay, but an incredibly <laughs> inaccurate simulation. <laughs> it would be like if... They went to the mall, had their pictures combined, and then threw that away, and you came and co-hosted the show with me. <laughs> and they got lost on the way back from the mall as well. Yeah, this is the first ever Tights and Fight sausage party, isn't it? <laughs> oh, no, right? I think we've done a couple, like, um, there have been a have few where, where the ladies had to step out. They're all busy all the time, so, That's you know, true. it's like, it's that post, post uh, like, New Year's work, you know, everything ramps up all of a sudden because everybody's back and they're like, we need this app. We need this done. So we don't stand in the way of people's dreams here. <laughs> we were rushing to get everything recorded so that we'd be covered through the holidays, but which means we've we've had time off and outside of our very active text thread, we haven't really spoken. Uh, how were your holidays? Uh, they were okay. I did get sick over the holidays, oh, not with no. the bad thing. I felt like, you know, the little tickle in the back of my throat and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh geez, don't even tell me like now, like really right now I rapid tested and that one was negative. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, huh, that's funny. I'm like, well, maybe I'll wait a couple days and then go get a PCR test. Cause you know, they like right now everything's bad again. And you yes. know, and like, it doesn't seem like the rapid tests are as good as they were. So I went and got the PCR test a couple days after that. I got, um, uh, another rapid test. Both of them came back negative. So I was like, oh, I just got a cold. And that was really weird. Isn't and I, I was like, I haven't had a cold in two years. <laughs> like, this is bizarre. We forget in now in year, we're, we're rounding the corner into year three now mm-hmm. of this, that there are other illnesses that exist. Yeah. Like, you can get a cold. You can get a regular flu. Yep. I, I'm sure there are people who are suffering from these things who are, who are well aware. Yes. But, you know, we're dominated by this one thing. So if you feel off in any way. You just immediately, I should, I, I gotta go stick something up my nose immediately. I gotta get tested. I gotta know what's going on, yes. but I'm grateful that you escaped the Rona monster for now. Right. And also the thing is, it reminded me of is I don't like getting sick at all. Like it's like, it's so, it just, it's not fun. And so whenever I hear people saying like, oh, this is just, you know, even if let's say COVID was just a cold was just a thing that like people want to dismiss it as, I don't want that either. Why would I go through that again? I hate this stuff. So you know, I'm glad to be on my feet. I was glad to watch a little bit of wrestling. I did watch a bit of day one. I did watch mm-hmm. some of like uh, the highlights whenever I heard some good stuff was happening. I just went and watched it. But I also tried because it's my vacation and I was trying to rest up. I didn't want to do too much. So if you notice that at tight spies was a little less active than it w- than it usually is for the last few weeks, that's why. So yeah. trying to feel better and I wanted to give myself a break <laughs> and come in fresh for the post-holiday fun. Yeah, I was working pretty much through the entire holidays. I, took, I had uh, Christmas Ow. Eve off and I had New Year's Eve off. No. So outside of that, I was working no. at, my, at my day job, which is fine. Just fine. Mm. I'll I'll take a vacation at some point. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> but, should. Um, you earned it. I did. I've earned it. I've I have. I did watch day one. I watched some of it live, and then I I finished the replay of it. Yes, same. Before we even talk about the show, of course, the big news coming out of that is that Roman Reigns <sighs> tested positive for COVID nineteen. 
which is very scary, not only if you're just a fan of him in general, because he is, for all intents and purposes, immunocompromised. Yes. I was, it was just, I think it was a scenario that a lot of people were going to, because I remember it wasn't that long before the, this announcement of Romans that, uh, WWE announced, we are like, like we're not testing or they're changing something in their testing policy. I'm not familiar Mm -hmm. on everything, which everybody said, that sounds like a horrible idea. And then it was like, you know, your biggest star, you know, is at risk is one of those people that is at risk. And it scares me enough having him inside of a crowded arena constantly. Um, So it's just, I I was horrified of that. But then it's like when this announcement came through, I was like, holy God, like, please just, I hope he's okay. Yeah, I don't, I'm glad it all in all signs are that they said today he's he's okay and medically cleared. And he is going to be, he's going to be on SmackDown tonight. I felt also when it came to like, when it seemed like Roman was going to be okay, I got to, I felt better about being upset about real rest, about just stupid wrestling stuff. Cause I was <laughs> like, oh no, not Big E. No, no, yeah. why? And he took it from the waist of the champion, Big E. Brock Lesnar was determined to leave day one with a championship. And as surreal as it sounds, gentlemen, Brock Lesnar is once again. WWE champion. Obviously, the main event of day one, Brock Lesnar enters the fatal four way, turns it into a fatal five way, and a really fun match. I yeah, thought overall was the good. show was a lot of fun. Yeah. Brock is always really fun in these like multi person matches because everybody just gets a beat up on him and he gets to be like a little bit of a baby face and make mm-hmm. a big comeback. So, yeah, but now he, the result, of course, is him winning the title and him, not only that, but he, the pin was eaten by Big E, not either of the... I mean, I understand you not wanting Lashley to take the loss because that's the next opponent up. In mm-hmm. a match that a lot of people have wanted to see, I'm, I'm interested in it. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But you, you could have had Owens or Rollins eat the pin there yeah, and keep Big E intact. Yeah. I feel like that's a way to keep a, a champion intact. They, yeah. they never actually lost, but, yeah. but he did. We, how so do we now, feel about do Big, Big E's title reign? Like, I think... Like, I keep thinking about it, and I keep just wondering, like, what was his signature win? Like, yeah. his his big moment was the was the win itself, which everybody, sure. you know, was, was celebrating. And I feel like he was really great at being, like, he was going out and doing press. He was going out and giving a lot of interviews, and he was very visible face of, of wrestling. The New Day was al- is always used by WWE for tons of stuff, so it seemed like Big E was getting that chance to do all that stuff on his own. But I don't, as far as, like, just between the rope stuff, it seems like he was kind of given the ball at an interest at a weird time where it's like, Hey, survivor series is coming up and Romans can't lose. So you have to lose there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and we need to set up more opponents for you. So you, you get to beat Bobby Lashley a few times over and that was all well and good, but it was just like, you know, I, I don't really know. He it didn't feel like he was thrust quite as well as not even as Roman as like Drew McIntyre, for example, I feel like got a better thrust and push than, than Biggie got as a champion. And he was champion for a much longer time. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, even like just in terms of consistency of booking, like it feels like Drew was like when he was champion, he was not losing. This felt more, this felt like a different strategy, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. It makes me a little sad. Yeah, you know, I think if I, the reign that his reign reminded me the most of, and I'll explain why, mm-hmm. because I think it's going to it's gonna seem like a really big dig, but it's, it's not, is Jinder Mahal, and here's mm-hmm. why. Now, I'm not saying Jinder Mahal had particularly great matches, but he was an interesting choice to win the title when he did. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of potential there that that he showed. He, to my memory, was just feuding with Randy Orton the whole time. Yes. And yeah. 
if in that case the belt is just a prop in in a feud so it doesn't really matter who has it and i think you want it to matter who your champion is so that when the next person wins it it's a big deal but we never really got to see who he was as champion we just had some matches against randy orton at a time when randy orton was not necessarily doing his best work they didn't have the best in-ring chemistry I think Big E fared a lot better in terms of his matches with Bobby Lashley. I don't think he had bad matches. I just think oh, yeah. that we don't know who he was as champion. Yeah. I, we didn't even get to see him really cut any of those like solo promos that you got to see even Jinder, some, a guy like Jinder go out and cut. Like Jinder got the big pomp and circumstances and E got his one big promo after winning. And then it felt like after that, he was just kind of like, it's just, it felt like it was in a little bit of a flux state. I I don't think that this is like the last time Big E will win that championship. I think that he's too young and too popular for them to just not even ever explore the idea of him being in the title picture ever again. Mm. Um, yeah, still just a bummer. Like I wanted it to be more, and uh, it sucks whenever it's not. So, um, but I do I do like Bobby, and I, I I know Bobby's been really wanting this match against Brock forever based on interviews that he's been he's been having since he came back to WWE. So. I think this will be good for him, and I think he'll, if nothing else, be really excited to give her, give a match. And whenever people are excited to get into matches, it always is. Uh, they always seem to give that little extra, extra bit of effort that they normally would push it up to the push it up to eleven. So, should be a good, a good uh, Royal Rumble match, and we'll see what happens after that. Yeah, I think this is just an unremarkable run for Biggie. I think that's the, the right. sad part of it, and that's yeah. what happens when you're when the only major pay per view that falls during your title reign is one where you don't have a title match, mm-hmm. where it's just champion versus yes. champion. Yeah. So. And also, I got my little conspiracy theory. Mm. I think they were always going to have Brock beat Big E for that title. I think that they just were forced to push it up a little bit earlier than they wanted to. Because I, I maybe we'll see what happens on Friday or today, you know, after we're done recording when SmackDown's on and Big E, or excuse me, when Brock and uh, Roman finally see each other. I think they're pushing for a title unification at WrestleMania between these two. I think there's a really mm. good chance that that happens. And they Does go that back mean they're going to rejoin the brands? Maybe. Like, WWE feels like they're in a weird state right now. And we'll talk about, you know, the NXT of it all in a bit. Yeah. Um, where things are kind of, like, changing and they're rethinking how they're going to do things. And maybe it's about that time because, you know, Vince loves looking at the, at the calendar and being like, hmm, you know, it's been a while since we did the whole brand split. Let's bring them all back together because that's sometimes what we do whenever we need to get people to feel like, Oh, things are changing again. So maybe we're headed in that direction. Well, let's talk about the, the weird place where they are. I, you know, I, I've, I've always been vocally anti brand split. Mm-hmm. It's all WWE. You, you cut in half the number of matches that you can have when you, when you separate your rosters. And I know you're creating dream matches and once in a, in a while, but I just don't think that's ever quite worked out. We've gotten some great Survivor Series matches out of it, including the NXT run where they came in and pretty much almost clean swept everything. Mm-hmm. But you could have those matches anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, NXT. Well, oh, wait, before we move off of day one, I do want to shout out Liv Morgan and oh, Becky Lynch's match, which was really, really, fantastic. really, really fun, really good. I thought Liv Morgan did a good job. I'm a little bit scratching my head at the sort of clean loss, but... But it could be a sign that she's just not ready yet. And she mm-hmm. did 
I don't think she came out of it looking bad. No, no. In any way, shape, or form. Yeah, especially now that they, it looks like Bianca and Liv are going to both be in the mix and we might have a triple threat at um, at Royal Rumble. And I think mm-hmm. that's going to be a lot of fun for both of them. Uh, they all feel like three really different competitors and different styles and, and whatnot. Yeah. But Liv, I mean, I was all, I think Liv didn't come in with a ton of pomp and circumstance. She was just sort of another person who was like getting called up from NXT and joined into the riot squad. And, you know, they didn't feel like they knew what to do with the riot squad in general. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when Ruby left and, uh, and I'm, I can't remember Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Logan. Yeah. Sarah Logan left. I really wasn't optimistic about what her chances are, but I feel like, you know, she, you know, credit to her. She stayed consistent. She really worked on her, on, on her like timing and just, I know the big spot that got everybody's attention was the, you know, the springboard sunset powerbomb off of the top rope. That was so much fun. Silky smooth. Uh, And also like, I don't this is kind of a funny thing to notice, but ever since Becky came back, she's made um, the rock bottom. Now she, it, I think she, when she was doing her first run, it was called the Beck end after how Booker <laughs> T called it the book end. Yeah. But now she calls it the manhandle slam. I love that finish so much. She looks mm-hmm. great doing it. I love, um, it's, it's good to see her just like, like something that showcases a lot of like, just like out of nowhere, bang, like no setup. If somebody just runs at her too fast, you can throw it out there. I love that kind of stuff. It's, um, and even though I hated that she debuted it by beating uh, Bianca in 30 seconds, it's still a great finish. And um, <laughs> yeah, I really, I, I'm looking forward to the title scene of Raw, uh, of, of Raw's women's division. It should be fun. Also, the Edge and, and with a little help from Beth Phoenix defeats The Miz, who had Maurice at his side, setting up what we all know will be a mixed tag match that continued a yeah. little bit on Raw. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I thought, that, I thought that was a really fun match, too. Mm-hmm. You know, Ed, I don't think Edge... Historically, has had many bad matches, but I also think the Miz, kind of, I don't know if he's underrated, but I think he's under the radar a little bit yeah. in terms of what he does on the mic is so great that it kind of overshadows the fact that he's a good wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Guy knows I think how to tell a story. Anybody who doesn't know about Miz being great, I think, holds on to that image of him when he first got into WWE of mm-hmm. like he was just a guy who was coming in and mostly cutting promos and having very simple matches. But, you know, ever since, you know, that Daniel Bryan promo where he actually, like, faced on that criticism head on and actually addressed all of it, I feel like everybody kind of woke up to it and is and really loves the guy. Um, and honestly, this feud kind of reminded me in a weird way, reminds me because it still looks like, like you said, it's going to keep going. It reminds me in a weird way of Punk and MJF where it's like elder statesman versus person who took a lot of the DNA of what the who, who came in more recently and has kind of taken a little bit of that and has, has to throw some of their things back in their face. And I think it's fun to see both of these feuds go on at the same time, especially, you know, MJF or Miz was brought up in the MJF's punk uh, feud because it's like two different interesting takes on it. And I think it shows like just a difference in presentation that's actually a lot of fun to compare and contrast. And I actually do like Edge coming out with, you know, the the bouncy uh, brood music, you know, mm-hmm. every time like the <laughs> it's so much fun. I like that they're keeping it for for pay-per-views and not making it a, an every week thing. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Beth wrestle again. We haven't really seen just aside from the Royal Rumble. I don't know if we've gotten to see Beth do her thing in a minute. And she's, no. she's always been great. And that hair is a mood. Yes. <laughs> I hate to lose her as a, as a color commentator, but again, that's part of that yeah. sort of. I hate to lose a lot into... of things from NXT to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yes. NXT is, the NXT we know is effectively no more. Yeah. William Regal gone. The announced team has turned over for the most part. Samoa Joe gone again. Samoa Joe gone again. 
bunch of trainers and producers <sighs> gone. Yeah. Braun Breaker now has the title. Carmelo yes. Hayes has united the the North American and Cruiserweight title, which I never thought, I mean, the Cruiserweight title, 205 Live, nobody watched. Mm-hmm. They they put it in front of dead crowds for a very long time. Yeah. And then the Cruiserweights got a home on NXT, and we got Santos Escobar, who mm-hmm. had a fantastic run with it, and, yep. and Isaiah Swerve Scott also. Like, they, they did great stuff with the title, but I think that title being gone is probably the right choice. Yeah. It feels... It... It felt like I feel like when that title had its best direction was when Neville was was holding it. You know, he had that year where he was kind of like the Brock Lesnar of the cruiserweight division. And he was like clearly the focus of everything that they were doing. I am going to deconstruct my opponent until they question their very existence. But more importantly, I am going to make them regret having such Foolish ambition as to challenge the king of the cruiserweights. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like after he left, it just kind of floundered a little bit and they kept trying new things and, and things generally were working. But things it's just I don't know, we'll have to do a requiem for the cruiserweight division, re- the recent showcase of it, because it feels a little like I, I feel like there's a lot of twists and turns you can look into of like what the things that went wrong, some of which was WWE's fault creatively, mm-hmm. some of it was not. But in the context of like all these other NXT things, it just it it was like slowly at first we were trying to see like what is going to stay from the old version of NXT that we used to like. Like, is it just going to be an aesthetic thing? Is it just going to be like the people that used to be part of black and gold are going to be asked to adapt to this new uh, style of NXT? And now it looks like the answer is straight up like we wanted to slowly purge everything that you knew from the original NXT, whether that was match style, whether that was the stars, whether that was the commentary team, the way that and now it's like even behind the scenes, the way NXT and developmental was run in general is just going to get completely wiped out. And it's sad because I'm not against changing things and doing new things, but it just seems so bizarre to me that you would take a guy like William Regal, who everybody says is a consummate pro. And if they asked him to, and they said, we're trying to change the way that we were doing things, how would you like we, and we want you to be a part of it. He would say, okay, this is what's going to work. It seems like he would be totally game to just be like, okay, yeah, if you, you know, if we're going to change things up and the different priorities within the company now, yeah, let's, I'll, I'll figure out how to teach differently or, and train differently. And to just say, actually, we're going to fire him and we're going to figure out what we're doing after that. Or we're going to hide, we have other people that we think can do it better. That just seems like such a waste of so much intelligence and, and just such a guy who everybody shouted out and just was saying, like, I would not have been in WWE if it wasn't for William Regal. He knew how to train me properly. And it's just mm-hmm. sad. It's it's a big bummer. Like, No, I agree with you. It's William Regal, obviously, is great. I have a lot of confidence that he's going to wind up somewhere else. Sure. Anywhere yeah. else. Open his own school. He may already have his own school and just mm-hmm. go back to doing that and finding other sources of income. And the guy deserves a, a break and a vacation. <laughs> Where I struggle is companies like to make money. NXT felt like a brand that was making money for them. When it transitioned over from FCW, it really was training. It really was. Mm-hmm. Here, are, here are, you know, the very name itself. Here's who's next. Yeah. And you're going to see them in, in maybe a raw form. And we're going to put them on, on our network for an hour a week or, or whatever it was to start. They can get television experience and live crowd experience, and you can sort of see who's coming up. And I don't know that they ever thought that it would grow as quickly as it did 
once or twice as lucky, but the number of times that they that they made correct choices and developed talent that went on to succeed in in WWE or brought in talent that had already worked a ton in other places and sort of trained them on the WWE style. So it just became another tool. Like I don't think I don't look at Kevin Owens and say, well, there's a, a WWE product. That would be mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. But I do think that he brought all of his skills and makes them work in the context of WWE. Right. There is a style I think that needs to be learned just as somebody who's worked independence that comes into AEW would need to learn a style. Mm-hmm. It means it goes into impact. Yeah. Maybe maybe less so in those places. I don't I don't know, but WWE certainly Vince is like has a way he likes things done. Mm-hmm. And the majority of people I the, the only person I can think of who I who I consider like a pure WWE product is Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Neither of the like, other Shield members, they both have worked a ton everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like there are like that list of people, like um, trying to think of some others, like Alexa Bliss, you could definitely say was like born and bred in that performance center. Mm-hmm. The people that were recruited, like Bianca and whatnot, to like, hey, you want to try being a wrestler and you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And like I've said, I've said before that like I'm I'm totally game to like go out and recruit all those people, those people that are athletes and never thought like wrestling was there was a thing that they would be interested in. And you can say like, hey, you've got a look, you've got charisma. We can teach you how to do this safely and in a cool way and kind of bring your personality out. And we think you can be great for us. I'm totally like go out and recruit all those people They're Like it's it's so much fun to see all those. I don't care how much time they put on the like the independent or international scene. If they're good, they're good. And it would be fun to see them. My thing that makes me a little bit bummed is that I feel like between the current form of NXT and all, a lot of these former NXT guys going over to AEW, you know, you got the Undisputed Era is now fully reunited on AEW. You've got rumors that Johnny Gargano might be going. That's like Khan just said something about like, oh, I've got like a dream signing that's going to be making its debut, making their debut soon. My bet is Johnny Gargano, but we don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like, you know, there's other people like Jake Atlas just got signed and a lot of people who are heading over there. And I'm, I'm glad, you know, because they still get a big stage to do their thing. And maybe they mm-hmm. felt like, hey, this is where my career is taking me right now. And I feel like I, I have a chance to do better here than anywhere else. My thing is that I haven't really been as taken with what I've seen them do. I feel like the direction is a little bit more scattered with those guys on AEW, personally. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's bad or anything. I think, I mean, I love Adam Cole. I'll watch him wrestle all the time. I love seeing the Undisputed Era take on the Young Bucks. will be fun, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have two worse versions of what I used to really enjoy with the old NXT. Um, right. It's hard not to look at him and be like, oh, what used to be. <laughs> and I hate being like that. Because I just, I, I don't, I want to enjoy things for what they are. But maybe it just, I need more distance between myself and, with, and the thing that I used to like. Before I can finally be like, okay, yeah, all right, this is what it is. It's not coming back. And, you know, let's now I can watch these matches and not think about like, oh, this used to be so good. Like this time last year, this was so good, you know? Yeah. Look, it's it's easy for, for your memory or your love of something that you know mm-hmm. and that you sort of came up with because we were all watching it back in 2014 mm-hmm. all the way through. So yep. for for almost seven years or over seven years. We got used to what, what the black and gold was and what it represented and who came up through it and mm-hmm. what the type of quality you could expect, both in storyline and, and an in-ring product. And that can get in the way of something new coming in and you being able to fully embrace it and appreciate it. I, I, I get what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. I also think not every single change is for the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that yeah. they made production choices right off the bat that make it feel cheaper. 
those knees, man. Seeing all those wrestling fans' knees, I don't need oh, to see them. Too many knees. A sea of knees. I don't want too to see many knees. Sea of knees. So, but time will tell, mm-hmm. and it, and it's going to take time to to decelerate from what you knew and accelerate into what NXT is. And you may may enjoy it. You may not. Yeah. Similar to AEW, it came on the scene with a big bang, and mm-hmm. some people love it and defend it voraciously. Some people mm-hmm. reached a breaking point with it and and walked away, but. They are Dynamite has made its TBS debut. Yeah, on which Adam Page be Brian Danielson. <laughs> which because I'm a, I'm a total idiot. I um I was watching. I had T my TNT on in the background, my, my app on, and I was like, why the hell is hockey still on? Where's wrestling? <laughs> and I was like, oh wait, right, right, right the the whole TBS thing. Uh, and you know what? We'll get into. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about it more. But it was very interesting to me that the tag team titles. We're main eventing the show on TBS instead of a championship that's named after the channel that you're moving it to that you've been building up for way longer, uh-huh. you know, and I'm happy for Jungle Boy. You know, I loved there was a little gift somebody caught of when Jungle Boy won his title. He looked up at the up at the, the, the you know, up, looked up at the sky. Love it. Made, oh, made me cry dad. a little bit for his pops. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's like he's got a fantastic story. I can't wait to see them do more with him. I kind of I love Christian. I don't get why he's hanging out with them that much, but it's it's fine, I guess. I'm sure some people are just like, oh, well, because Christian's cool and these guys are cool. And it's like, yeah, okay. But it's like these guys are also like their presentation is also their dinosaurs, and uh, which is adorable. But I'm, I, I want to kind of like see – I'm not saying that they need to completely ditch the aesthetic, but I want to see more of Jungle Boy as like – I want to hear more of his story. I want to hear him – talking a little bit more and like getting to some like speak. I want to hear him speak from the heart. You know, I want to, maybe we'll get that soon, but it's like, sometimes I feel like, and this is a wrestling thing in general, but I notice it a little bit more in AEW. Sometimes I feel like they like doing the jokes and undercutting things with tee hee, ha ha, wink, wink moments rather than just like, like just play it straight. I want to know more about these things. Like this whole thing with punk and MJF, I like because they're kind of just playing it straight. They're doing, mm-hmm. they're just like, they're speaking. You can tell they're speaking from the chest and they're not trying to any jabs that they're making at each other are for the sake of like, cause they think it's going to get under the other person's skin. It's not like them winking at the audience of like, ha ha. Remember WrestleMania? It's like, no punk legitimately did say that it bugged him that he didn't get to go to WrestleMania. So why not bring that up? Do you think you're Roddy Piper? Because the last time I checked, unlike you, Piper was actually talented enough to main event a WrestleMania. Like, that kind of stuff is more interesting to me than, like, I don't know, remember this meme? Ah, remember the meme, guys? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it is it is a problem when everybody's, like, trying to be cool, right. cool babyface or cool heel. Mm-hmm. Because what grounds us and the things that we really like are getting to know the people, you know, the, the pipe bomb was so effective because we got to see the real punk, a guy who, mm-hmm. who was already really good. Who'd already had championship runs. Who'd already won the money in the bank twice. Mm-hmm. The more you get to know him as a person, the more invested you are either to cheer him or, or boo him. And that's the, that's the same for, mm-hmm. for any wrestler, the being impressive physically or being good on the mic will take mm-hmm. you can take you really far depending on how good you are at it mm-hmm. but at a certain point mm-hmm. you want to know the person you yeah. want to know the, the character at least they're getting right. invested you know MG, mjf works because he 
takes himself seriously. And honestly, I'll even like point out a thing in WWE where I think they twisted it nicely. Mm. The New Day, everybody loves the New Day. They love them because of like, you know, the jokes that they were telling and they would come out in funny costumes and they would like, you know, be silly the entire time and do the like there was an aesthetic that I think you fall, fell in love with. But there was also a tangibility to like them as human beings that when you mm. take it and twist it into something like Kofi Mania, where they're like, you know, they're trying to build up Kofi as saying, like, why hasn't this guy ever gotten a shot? You totally buy it because it's like I still know, like, underneath all the silly things, these are guys who have like real cares and they really believe in things and they really love each other. And there was like that kind of grounded nature to it makes it a lot easier for whenever they want to do the silly, jokey things. Yeah, but we'll see. I um, I mostly did like a lot of what I saw from uh, from their TBS debut. I like Adam Page beating D- Brian Danielson. Yep. Danielson seems like he loves building people up. He's even loved building people up even when he was WWE champion uh, a couple years ago. He loves you know being yeah. the person that makes somebody. He seems to take a lot of pride in that. Um, and I think he did a great job of being Adam Page's first significant title defense. I'm not as big of an Adam Page fan as other people are, but I do love how everybody loves him more than anything. I love, I can't deny the reaction. I like that they did go an hour. Um, I'm, I'm a little over the whole going the distance type of thing. It's fine, but it's just not my fave. I like, I like finding a tighter way to tell the story and get it and get in and get out in like 30 minutes, which I think they did, or maybe just under that. And by the way, if you have any questions about why things were booked or scheduled the way they were, you can just go check out Tony Khan's Twitter feed because he explains <laughs> it all and tells you why you're a moron. <laughs> Their wrestling just wasn't as good, you know. I do I do like Jade Cargill winning the TVS TVS championship. Mm-hmm. I like Jade Cargill a lot. I think she's got a ton of potential. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see where she goes from here. I'm I don't get cautiously optimistic about about AEW anymore that mm-hmm. that that spark died a long time ago i yes. think they are what they are and you just sort of accept them yeah it gives you the opportunity to be pleasantly surprised whenever things do go right on the other hand you just it's like uh like what mj said on the new spider-man it's like expect nothing and that way you can't be disappointed mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's they have a ton of talented people they have a ton of really good matches i say this now because the next segment's not going to be is is look if you like AEW you might not enjoy and you think that they're above reproach or aren't doing anything wrong you may not enjoy our next segment but we're <laughs> we're going to get into that a little bit but before that I will say there is a lot to like about AEW mm-hmm. they they do a lot of good stuff I've said what frustrates me about them I don't think any of that has changed but until then if you have any thoughts from the first week of wrestling in 2022 We'll have an episode thread in our Facebook group where you can discuss it with the rest of the nation of conversation. Plus, you can read more of what we thought on in, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram. When we come back <laughs> on Twitter and t- on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> and and Dress Court. <laughs> when we come back, Tony Khan's infamous tweet and what diversity in wrestling actually means. That's next on Tights and Fights. Hi, I'm Annabelle Gerwich. And I'm Laura House. And we're the hosts of Tiny Victories. My tiny victory is that I sewed that button back on the day after it broke. We talk about that little thing that you did that's a big deal to you, but nobody else cares. Did you get that Guggenheim Genius Award? We don't want to hear from you. We want little bitty tiny victories. My tiny victory is a tattoo that I added on to this past weekend. Let's talk about it. My victory is that I'm one year cancer free, but my tiny victory is that I took all of the cushions off the couch, pounded them out, put them back, 
and it looks so great. So if you're like us and you want to celebrate the tiny achievements of ordinary people, listen to Tiny Victories. It's on every Monday on Maximum Fun. Tyson Bites Podcast. Tyson Welcome back to Tyson Fights. I'm Hal Loveland, and I'm joined today by... Julian Burrell. This week, we're giving one corner of wrestling some extra attention. This is our main event. Let's get ready to... Whoa! Whoa! Holy shit! Anal bleeding. WWE Dynamite. I hate On a hard fart victory. What? Live, Hal. Aw. The oh, first one back. of 2022. <laughs> Still makes me smile. <laughs> Big Swole left AEW a few weeks ago. This week, we learned more about why on her podcast. One of the biggest issues was that she feels AEW has a big diversity and black representation issue. That prompted Tony Khan to put his whole foot in his mouth to defend his company and say that the reason he didn't renew Swole's contract was because she's a bad wrestler. (sighs) You absolute (laughs) piece of shit. Look, when somebody says something about you that is an honest criticism... And I think a lot of what she said was taken out of context. Like oh, she 100%. Just spent, she spent her whole podcast shitting in AEW, which is not the case at all. Right. That w- when you're faced with criticism, that the instinct, that is a natural instinct all people have, and I think I've talked about this before, is to become defensive mm-hmm. and say, well, you didn't understand what I meant. Yeah. You're actually this. You did that. Because it's that's a hell of a lot easier yes. than looking at yourself and saying, what did I do wrong? How can I be better? Did hey. I do something wrong? And let's let's be honest. He's also a billionaire who's probably not used to having to hear things of that from people in a public way. Like nobody has the guts to call out their boss, and he's been rich for his entire life, and he's probably not used to hearing any sort of like that. This outright defiance. How dare they? You know. Yeah, and I, there's nothing wrong with her saying there's an issue here because that's an opportunity for them to get better. And basically, it's the promise that that we were given. Mm-hmm. When they started, that nobody put that on them, but and, them. And they they took that mantle on, and they have, by and large, failed. Mm-hmm. There are two things I think that we can talk about here. The mm-hmm. as far as Tony Khan's reaction goes, so we can start with what like let's just take the PR company person route of this, where you are in charge of a a very large company that employs a lot of people, and you've gotten you've gotten pretty big pretty fast. The problem to me with that tweet from that perspective is that you had two options there that you could have, or three options, the one you took, which was the wrong one, and you had two others. One is just to say nothing. That would have been okay. Like, you don't hear Vince address everything that everybody on a podcast says about him, right? You just you just don't. Because, like, at the end of the day, it's not your job as the head of the company to, to respond and play with that kind of stuff. Two was to just sit, give a very vague response that was just, we're working on this. We're going to keep trying, and and you know, hey, we we hear the we hear what you're saying, and we're just going to just understand. We keep trying to do these things, and you know, and leave it at that. I would have thought like, well, okay, sure, and I would. I think a lot of people can see through that stuff, but I also think that they would have been like, yeah, okay, that's about what you can expect from somebody in his position. So to be just so petty and tiny to just be like. Well, she fucking sucked at wrestling and also look at my checklist of brown and black people that work for this company that I've that I've employed, most of which got their victories on YouTube. So not on TV anyway. So it's 
It's just like, like imagine if Vince during give give divas a chance. Remember when that was trending and Vince just put Vince's account because somebody I'm sure is running his Twitter account. No way that old man's actually tweeting. Um, sure. And he just said something like, "We hear you. Keep watching." If he said that, everybody would have been like, "Oh, okay. Well, maybe we'll see some changes really soon," and that would have been okay. But yeah. to say it like this just is so. Going back to the Jade Cargo thing, like. I saw so many people undercut her win by just saying, well, the only reason she got the win was because Tony Khan wanted to prove Big Swole wrong or he had to play damage control. And that's not fair to her. Like she's working, I'm sure, really hard. And now she's like, she's got a, she's already gotten like bullshit, like people holding up bathroom break signs in the middle of her matches. You have essentially enabled people to say like, well, fuck Big Swole and fuck anybody who's trying to, like, behind the scenes, trying to push this agenda that I don't think is true. And it's just, it's bonkers to me. It's just such a such an unforced error. And it, it really makes me upset because, God, you just, like, it's so easy. Like, this is not a new thing with black women in TV where they are labeled difficult and then all of a sudden they're, they get um, a reputation in the industry and in the entertainment industry. It's been happening for decades. And it's just so sad that he felt like, his feelings being hurt or whatever warranted this kind of response. And it, I just, I hate it. I hate it so much. It really like more than anything else AEW has done, like the rest of the stuff, the aesthetic, the wrestling, like the direction that they're taking as a company, the whatever, hang all that stuff. This is like real tangible things where it's somebody's livelihood. It's some things that somebody's online space. And they like, now she's getting a lot of big swole's getting a lot of bullshit on Twitter and she's getting like, you know, she's having to hear a lot of crap because these people feel empowered and they feel like I'm defending my favorite wrestling company from people like you who are trying to tear it down which is just ugh, like fuck (laughs) (laughs) tony khan comes off in the way he tweets and neither of us know him as a person we're not in any business meetings anything like that Mm -hmm. but what comes what comes forward which is what most of us see is that he cares more about what you think of him than than actually putting results out that would make you go oh there's a real change here and and they absolutely put the onus on themselves day one about how they were going to be different from WWE and they are not different from WWE. Mm-hmm. They are a throwback to the territorial wrestling yeah. that WWE bought up right. to, to be who they are. And there's nothing wrong with that, but just say, don't come out and promise something that you don't deliver on in uh, what has it been almost three years now? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I went back and I actually looked at a lot of those articles that were being written and I looked at like some of the statements that Brandy was saying and they were very clear that like we want people that are the best. We're not looking for a 5'7 blonde because we want a 5'7 blonde here. We're looking for people like Kia Stevens because we want Awesome Kong. The other misinterpretation that I heard a lot of people say and because Tony Khan put it out there was and people didn't who didn't read or didn't listen to Big Swole's words or listen to her podcast – was AEW doesn't have any black or brown people working. That's what I think that they heard. When they hear you have a diversity problem, they say, oh, that they're trying to say that you don't have any people of color working. That's categorically false, and it's just demonstrably false. Like, anybody with eyes can see that. Sure. It's not a question of do you have these people working for you. It is a question of are you presenting them in the way that shows the audience that these people are important? Are you presenting them in a way that you're considering a lot of these things? Like, one of the... like. Uh, th- like just a few examples of things that I've sh- I've seen where I feel like AEW is coming short. 
Red Velvet, when she took on Britt Baker in what I think was the first Rampage uh, main event, first or second mm-hmm. Rampage main event, it was a, it was treated as a big deal and it was treated as a big step. And everybody was saying like, haha, see, see, they're they're putting they're putting her out there and they're not not just the women, but they're putting a black woman who we don't really know a ton about and giving her a chance to shine. What's Red Velvet done since then? It was one match and her like it was meant to be like a big thing for her. And she didn't do anything after that. She just comes out and maybe has had a match or two here and there. But it's certainly nothing that I think would make you say, remember, this woman main evented Rampage and took Britt Baker to the absolute limit. She hasn't done anything since then. Uh, what's a powerhouse Hobbs? Remember powerhouse Hobbs? It was a big deal because he was going to be taking on CM Punk in his first televised match in however many years. And it was going to be a big thing. And everybody's like punks building up like this, this black guy who we know is really strong and really good and has is maybe a little raw, but has a lot of potential. What is, what has Hobbs done since then? I think he was at the beginning of this AEW title tournament. And then, you know, we don't see him coming out with and cutting promos. He's just sort of background window dressing for whenever team Taz has a moment on screen. It's like, you need to look at all of these things and think, like, what are the optics here? Because when I look at AEW's, like, main event picture, it's a lot of white guys who are very talented. I'm not saying Adam Page doesn't deserve a chance to be champion. I'm not saying Daniel Bryan doesn't deserve a chance to be in the main event. These are all stars, like, you know, mm-hmm. Kenny, the Bucks, Nate, Adam Cole. These are name people. These are big-time people. But it's also, like, these are all white people that are main eventing it. They're all out there. And it's like, I know the Lucha Brothers exist and they just main evented Dynamite and it's like you can point to them. But it's like, I'm going to talk specifically about black people right now because it's like they're not getting the showcase that they promised that they were going to get. And that's what's so frustrating that people want to willfully misinterpret this point that she was making that was really cogent. I think it goes back to people are so happy to have AEW. Mm -hmm. I think there are fans who are so happy to have it. It can do no wrong for them. And so any attack on it, they have to protect their precious baby. And mm-hmm. I understand wanting to defend something that you like. Yeah. I think it's also important to look, I'm I it's clear as day that I'm a WWE fan. I've grown up on them for for God, almost forty years I've been watching WWE wrestling. But I definitely when somebody points out an issue with it, I don't go, No, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. You're stupid. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people who don't know anything about wrestling coming in and do it. There are times where I'm going to disagree, and there are times where you look at it and go, "Wood, this is a huge problem." When mm-hmm. I was watching the Attitude Era in 2000, <laughs> I didn't see the issues that that in 2014 or a little later you go back and go, "This was all terrible. Mm-hmm. This is not okay." Mm-hmm. My my instinct isn't to turn around and go, "No, I liked it," and so it's good, and they don't do anything wrong. And that's just the time it like, yes, it, they got away with it or, or that was popular because at that time we weren't really looking at the things that we should be looking at. We're not there anymore. It's 2020 fucking two. It was 2020 fucking one. It was 20 fucking 19. Yeah. We, those conversations were already happening. In- inclusivity and diversity are always important and we're nowhere near where we need to be, but mm-hmm. those conversations are happening. And sometimes things in entertainment have the ability to lead the way. And when you come out, and now hearing what you say, when you when you go back to the quote of like, we're going to get the best person for the job, that's not a promise of we're going to be diverse. Mm-hmm. Because what you're seeing, if that is the quote, you're seeing who they think is the best person for the job. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. the problem. And the, I think that like you bring up the, the, um, the, the attitude era and like how, looking back on it and all that, I think that those – one of the other misinterpretations that I've seen is when – 
people compare AEW to WWE in order to make a point of like, well, why are you complaining about this when the other place is just as bad? And it's like, well, we did complain about WWE. We still do. I think everybody does. In fact, I feel like people have less of a problem with calling out WWE. I saw, I see people all the time saying that Bianca's uh, situation and what, like, uh, how the WWE did no, did her no favors. This is somebody who a lot of people are putting a lot on and are, are really enjoying. Is it the best look to take her and just have her lose in thirty seconds? You know, no, I don't think it would be. And I think a lot of people have were generally on board with that. But people want to take that and compare it and just be like, well, ha ha ha, at least Red Velvet might have lost, but at least she wasn't jobbed out in 30 seconds at the biggest show of the year. And it's like, or they want to take like the Attitude Era thing. And it's like, ha ha, you guys would have complained about all this, but didn't complain about it then. It's like, well, we were, we were stupid and we were younger then. <laughs> like things change. We like the, like we were meant to progress. We're not meant to judge things that happen now to where they were 15 years ago. Like the other example that I've said is like, if the MCU was started today. Like, let's say the like Marvel Cinematic Universe, Marvel announces they're going to start doing all this stuff and Disney's going to create these movies with crossover potentials. If they were started today, people would think it's a little weird that it was like a team made up of five white guys and one white woman. You know, it's just, I think people would say like, that's a little strange, but it's like over time they had to like adjust it and realize that the things were changing. Sensibilities were changing. People's desires to what they wanted to see in pop culture were changing and they needed to pivot properly. And I think you need to pivot if you're going to try and make something that's reaching out to a million plus people every single week. Otherwise you're just speaking to the same audience that that like just wants things to be the way they remember them being it's like i want 2004 raw and i'm i hate that it changed so much it was so good back then well here you go here are these people and we're going to do it this way and it's it's just it's sad and it's you you want to be ahead of things you want to be pushing you want to be it's like for as many things as aew does wrong this seems like a really really easy layup for them to do and they just don't seem interested in it because they're just saying well look at the ratings and look at how many people are cheering at our shows we're doing just fine what's the problem that can create complacency, mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, we asked you out in the Nation of Conversation what your thoughts were. The real Kyle Frid on Twitter said, It's really interesting how many people I've seen assume she was being bitter and vindictive just based on the fact that she spoke out about something. It's like people have gotten so used to that from ex-WWE people, they just assumed the first big ex-AEW person would do the same. Yeah. Like yeah. you said. Yes, it's, um, yeah, we hear, like, it's a thing. Podcasts are a thing. They always love, like, you know, you can complain about, like, your creative direction, but the minute you complain about something real. Mm-mm. Yeah. Library Carrie on Twitter said, even if you disagree with her, she didn't say anything inflammatory. But the AEW bros are pissed, and that's alarming and gross. Swole's lived experience isn't up for debate. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a shame. I'm glad Lindsay's not here because she's relaxing and she, she deserves it <laughs> but also it's a shame she's not here because she's firsthand you know when she says something about AEW, she gets rained down on by by the neckbeard brigade and i oh this is the other thing i've heard people say and i think Lindsay and i have talked about this whenever we get like whenever you say anything i feel like people also they are like you said big fans of this thing and they feel like whenever somebody else comes in and expresses their opinion that goes another that goes against the grain a little bit, they are like, and you, you know, let's be honest, like you have a pretty big following on Twitter and you have a pretty big audience that's paying attention to what you say. They feel like, why are you trying to rain on the parade? Why can't we just be excited and be happy about this thing? It's like no amount of negative criticism is going to 
affect your enjoyment of a thing. It just, it's not, it shouldn't at least. That's really weird if you like, if you need other people to be in lockstep in unison in order for you to enjoy something. Yeah. Big Swole, if you look at what she said, she actually was very generous and said, I loved working at AEW. I met a lot of people. I love everybody who I, who I worked with over there. I, and I, I want them to be successful. She said all these things and she even was very generous towards Tony Khan and said, I loved like he was a really good boss to me. He he listened to me and at least made me feel like I was being listened to. And I loved, you know, I loved working for him and I just felt like it was time to move on. And that's like that you should be able to hear these types of things and likes and, you know, Tony Khan, I'm speaking to you directly. <laughs> you should be able to hear these types of things and just be able to like say the criticism that I'm hearing do not dismiss or make non-existent the things that that we do well and i don't need to take it like that (laughs) yeah well uh on that note cuddle punk on twitter said you ever have a friend who asks for criticism on their fanfic but gets mad when you actually give any that's tony Khan. look i I agree (laughs) and and i know my opinion is doesn't matter a hill of beans to him Mm -hmm. but i think he would be best served my opinion be better served just cutting the checks playing with his dollies backstage mm-hmm. and not being a public figure for the brand. He has a ton of people who are better suited to that than him. Mm-hmm. He has shown that he doesn't have the maturity or or the impulse control to properly uh, properly deal with, with criticism, both valid and, and, and non-valid criticisms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you want the, the company to be as successful as possible, the best shot at doing that is with you not being on camera or talking about it that way on social media. Just promote the show. Right. Just say how great it is. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do. You don't have to mix it up with fans. If you really don't think there's any validity validity to the criticism, then you don't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. You're doing a great job, right? Mm-hmm. What's the problem? Why do you have to defend yourself? Yeah. I think Danielle said it well when it was like hit dogs holler, which basically means like if... If, if it didn't matter to you or you didn't think it was true, it shouldn't bother you at all. Yeah. If AEW was a place where you saw tons of black talent mixing it up in the main event, you saw uh, the women get more than one match a week on or one, one match a show. Like, I don't think you need to get rid of all those things that everybody else loves about AEW, right? Like Adam Page and Adam Cole aren't going to retire because like, you know, you give more main events to the women. Mm-hmm. Kenny isn't just going to be like, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I envisioned for my grand television debut of debut of my uh, my wrestling company. All that stuff is still going to be there. We're talking about adding more stuff so that more people can see themselves in this company and be like, yeah, this is for me too. I want to be invited to the party. This is great. I want to see like a black woman get to, get a chance at the main event and, you know, maybe get the nod of approval from Kenny Omega and all that stuff. Like, all that stuff is just going to make this company more inclusive and more cool. And it's like you get to have more with more more wrestling fans. Be excited about this thing. All that stuff is, is great. And it's like it's just it'll just make for bigger fan bases. And you should want that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with it, man. All of wrestling Twitter has been alight with people decrying and defending Khan's words, for better or worse. If you've got more to say about it, feel free to tell us more on Facebook and read more about our thoughts on Twitter. When we come back, we've got some things from wrestling you should know about. That's up next on Tights and Fights. Are you feeling elevated levels of anxiety? Do you quake uncontrollably, even thinking about watching cable news? Do you have disturbing nightmares, only to realize it's two in the afternoon and you're up? 
If you've experienced one or more of these symptoms, you may have FNO. News overload. Fortunately, there's treatment. Hi, I'm Dave Holmes, host of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters helps fight FNO. That's because Troubled Waters stimulates your joy zone. On Troubled Waters, two comedians will battle one another for pop culture supremacy. So join me, Dave Holmes, for two, two, two doses of Troubled Waters a month. The cure for your news overload. Available on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Tyson Bites Podcast. Tyson Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Loveland, joined today by Julian Burrell. Every week we end the show by sharing some of the joy of pro wrestling with you. This is the two count. And that's it. No, just kidding. (laughs) Julian, what would you like to put over? I would like to put over two things. I've always Mm. loved doing this. Um, First off, uh, we're at the end of a of a uh, college football season, and my favorite thing that we got to see is whenever wrestlers were given the opportunities to hang out on uh, ESPN and, or hang out with their alma maters and go out there and, and do some fun stuff with all of them. Uh, Goldberg was on because um, Georgia was in the uh, the Orange Bowl, and he came out with a little WWE Championship with SEC side plates, like one of their their most famous people that have come out of that program. Yeah. Uh, so that was fun. I love seeing Big E. Now that he got really famous, carried the title out with the Iowa Hawkeyes the few times that they were on on camera. That was always really great. <laughs> and I don't know if he did it this year, but Roman's also been really cool about going out with the uh, Georgia Tech. So that's always, you know, it's always fun for me to see them remember like, oh, yeah, these people were in college, too, and used to all, and have always been athletes for the most part. And then the thing that I really want to put over was a lot of responses that disappointed me from AEW wrestlers from Tony Khan. Uh, a lot of people retweeted his words, which to me was, uh, they say RTs aren't endorsements. This felt like an endorsement, sorry to say. But the one who, person who I think was very, very vocal about saying Tony Khan apologized was Leo Rush. Um, mm-hmm. Leo Rush doesn't, let's be honest, have the biggest stroke, I'm sure, in terms of star power backstage. But I also think he is a very consistent person who is always looking at these things and saying what it, what he believes is is righteous and correct. And I thought it took a lot of, you know, it took a lot of backbone for him to come to Big Swole's defense and to call out his boss and apparently also have a meeting with him afterwards to to say what he really felt. And I think that's really cool. Uh, Leo Rush seems like a real one. I hope that he is still, they don't like, you know, I think he's going to be on Dynamite next week. So, I mean, hey, like (laughs) the immediate consequences have not have not felt uh, themselves towards him. Congrats, Leo Rush, for being real, for speaking your mind, and for having that courage to speak truth to power. That's uh, That takes a lot of guts, and you, you definitely did great. Yeah. I'm going to put over a moment from day one. I think some of WWE's most iconic images have come not from wrestlers, but from crowd reactions to moments. You have the Undertaker guy, you have the Miz girl, and now you have, right after Brock Lesnar's win, they, they go to the crowd, and a guy in the front row just throws his hands up like, <laughs> oh, here we go again. <laughs> Which, I'm not saying that's how I feel about it. I've been up and down on Brock Lesnar. I think this is going to be a fun run. I'm interested to see what he does. But that guy's reaction to it was so good. It's so per- And the, the, it was as if they had planted that person in the crowd and cut to them at the exact right moment. So I just want to shout out uh, Brock Guy 
is what I'm going to call him. Because <laughs> the original Lesnar guy was when Lesnar re- made his return to WWE, um, mm. whenever, 2012 or something. Yeah. And when Brock came out to the pyro, he actually did the whole, like, you know, the, the arm pullback thing and, yeah. like, the chest expansion thing. And that person, he was Lesnar guy for a little while because he... I think he wears the same thing to every single wrestling show he goes to and sits in the front row. So this guy, I hope that he follows suit. And maybe him and the other guy can take a picture together. They can just do the <laughs> meeting of the Lesnar guys. <laughs> I would love it. But that guy's, my new, there's only one Brock Lesnar guy in my heart. And it's not Paul Heyman. It's that guy in the front row who Brock is Lesnar just guy. tired of this shit. Because aren't we all after two years of this? Not Brock, of all this. Yeah, that's, we, my, that's, that's the, the way we all feel. We're like, oh, the Omicron, great. <laughs> that's like, God that's damn what it. it felt like. We're at the end of the Greek alphabet and we're going to start over again. <laughs> <laughs> alpha, alpha, coming in March. <laughs> That does it for this episode of Tights and Fights. This week, your hosts were Julian Burrell, along with me, Hal Lublin, who has a bunch of projects coming out that he cannot talk about. But the things he can talk about are his other podcasts. There's We Got This with Mark and Hal, right here on the Maximum Fun Network, and Good Morning Nightville, where myself, Meg Bashwinner, and Symphony Sanders are re-listening to and talking about Welcome to Nightvale episode by episode. Ooh. Julian, what's going on in your world? Uh, not a ton, but you can keep up with, uh, with everything that I'm talking about on, uh, I'm going to get back to retweeting live shows. I always have fun talking about wrestling with you guys on Twitter and Facebook, despite, you know, despite the general large, uh, presence of wrestling Twitter. Um, I always try to have fun with it. Please don't take every, anything I say there too seriously. I'm mostly just having fun with, uh, with wrestling and I'm always happy to hear your points. Just make them respectfully. Um, if you want to just hear the things that I am doing, you can find me on, uh, my own personal Twitter account at Julian underscore Burrell, where you can hear me be very happy or very sad about sports results and about the video games that I'm playing. <laughs> Well, you were saying uh, our producer, Julian Burrell, who you just heard talking, doesn't want to be sad about football this week. Julian, you can be happy because a former Alabama quarterback I made the playoffs. Hey, I, I'm, I'm excited about that. Don't, don't even play. I, I'm super happy for Jalen. I'm super happy for Devontae. I'm super happy for yes. uh, Landon. It's going to be a lot of fun watching you guys earn money and do things at the highest level. That's right. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Find links to all our social find links to all our social media channels in the show notes. If you love what we do, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts and share us with all your friends. It's important. Thank you so much to the Max Fun members who make this show possible, and we'll be back next week for more. You guessed it, wrestling. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported